to the uh, first episode of the Faithful First Responder podcast, where we seek to help first responders live faithful Christian lives, both on and off duty. Well, my name is Jordan Block, and here with me today is my co-host and my brother, Derek Block. And I just want to say today, we've got a a great episode lined up. Since it's our first episode, we kind of just want to introduce ourselves. Uh, We want to give you a little bit of insight into our lives, maybe our educational background, and then we really want to dive in and talk about why we think the Faithful First Responder podcast is important for first responders to listen to. So, Derek, I just want to let you start us out. Maybe just give us a little insight, you know, a little bit about who you are, uh, maybe your educational background, and then uh, tell us about your background as a first responder. Yeah. Yeah, so like you said, my name is Derek. Um, A little bit about my family. I'm married my wife's name is Heather. We have been married for 17 years now. Um, I love her dearly. We have three kids. Uh, girl, girl, boy is the order. They are 11, almost 12. We'll be 12 this month. My first daughter's name is Brooklyn. My second daughter's name is Madison. She is nine. And then we have a son named Trip, and he is five. A um, little bit about my education. I do have a Bachelor's of Arts in Christian Studies from Grand Canyon University. I am almost done with my Master's of Divinity through the Expositor Seminary. Mm-hmm. Should be done at the end of next year, but I have so far completed, or almost completed, 89 of the 96 credits, so I'm almost there. Nice. <laughs> um, one day I'll be like you with an MDiv. Mm-hmm. And then uh, that's the extent of my education, and then we've both been through some of the Institute of Biblical Counseling and Discipleship counseling mm-hmm. training, which has been helpful, especially with what we're trying to what we're after um, mm-hmm. with this podcast and with the ministry that we've started. So that's a little bit about my education. As far as the fire department is concerned, I was hired in 2005, Academy Class 052. Uh, went through my probationary year, then served on Rescue 13 and Rescue 34 as my rescue time. I spent 10 years in the backseat of Engine 15, and that's where I spent all my firefighter time. Was promoted out of there in 2018 to the position of fire captain. And uh, roved and had some temps for a little while. And then I took the spot on engine 37 in November of 2019. So I've been there for a little over four years. Been a captain for a little over five years, I believe. So that's my background. Yeah, like I said earlier, my name's uh, Jordan Block. Uh, Derek is my older brother by two years. And our careers have kind of mirrored each other a little bit. Derek's two years older. I got hired two years after Derek did. So he went through uh, Academy Class 052. I went through Academy Class 072. Um, went through probation, obviously. And then uh, I did my rescue time at Rescue 31 on the east side of, of town. And then I spent several years uh, roving because I got hired in a, a massive bulk of guys from your classes, like the 05 classes, all the way through what would have been the 08 classes. So I would just hire right smack dab in the middle of those those groups of guys, I think we hired, what, 500 people yeah, at that time, something like that. Yep. So um, being hired at that time, I, I kind of spent a lot of my my career roving. So I spent about, I think it was seven or eight years roving, uh, just the di- various different parts of the city, had a few really good temps. Um, and then I ended up landing a spot on, on Engine 40 
on B shift for a few years there, then went over to engine 54 on C shift. And then finally, I'm at my current spot right now, still as a firefighter paramedic in the back seat at uh, engine 50 on B shift. But um, I've been married for almost 15 years now. It'll be 15 years in March. Uh, my wife's name is Kia. Uh, she's just a, a great help and support to me. Uh, also love her dearly. And uh, she's just an excellent wife, an excellent uh, mom to our kids. Uh, we homeschool our kids. We have three. We've got a 13-year-old boy, a uh, uh, almost an 11-year-old girl, and then almost an 8-year-old little boy. So he'll be 8 in a couple days here. So our family's just super blessed, super thankful to have a career in the fire service, uh, just grateful to uh, be able to take care for the public in the way that we do, uh, serve the public in the way that we do, but also just serve uh, the members of the fire service in the way that we do as well. Mm-hmm. And that's where, really, that's what we want to, that's what we want to talk about, right, is, is how, how do public servants also get served uh, and handle life in ways that honor and please the Lord. And that's that's really the reason why we want to start this podcast is because we see what we see. We do what we do. We're often in scenarios where it's the, the worst moments of a person's life where they're calling us. They have some kind of emergency medical issue going on or uh, they're experiencing like a, a fire-related uh, event at their home or in their apartment, and we're called to the scene, and we need to respond to those things. And we interact with the public on such uh, uh, intense and intimate way that often that can affect us as as firefighters and and the rest of the first responder community, police officers, EMS, and and we really want to be here to be able to serve our members and help them handle those stressors, those difficulties in ways that would honor and please the Lord. So um, I did look through uh, one article that just talks about kind of like the the different challenges that first responders face. And in this article, this person states this, they state occupational hazards are a regular occurrence for all first responders. Firefighters can be exposed to carbon monoxide, hydrogen cyanide, and nitrogen dioxide, along with numerous other things. Police officers have an increased risk of cancer due to radiation from radar guns and radio transmissions, which have also been linked to the greater risk of Hodgkin's uh, lymphoma. Emergency medical services workers are exposed to traumatic injuries, physical demands, and intrusive memories, just like firefighters and police officers are. And on top of that, low wages often require these first responders to work more hours or to work multiple jobs. There's one Cambridge Core study from 2009 which reported that 80 to 100 percent of EMS workers experience traumatic events. I would err more on the side of in what we do. I would say 100% right. yep. of of first responders experience some form of a traumatic event in their life. The article goes on to say, in fact, first responders are much more likely to experience trauma and stress than anyone else in the workforce. Due to the long hours and increased stressors, first responders suffer from sub- substance abuse, depression, 
suicidal suicidal thoughts at a higher rate than the general population. And studies even show that 50% of first responders binge drink and between 23 and 25% of police officers report suicidal ideation. So it's those stressors, those challenges that we want to address, but we want to address those challenges from a very specific worldview, from a very specific mindset. And the reason why we're called the Faithful First Responder Podcast is because we want to help first responders who are Christians, or even if they're not Christians at this point in their life, we want to help first responders to be able to face life's life challenges in ways that please and honor the Lord. We want them to have a biblical worldview through which they see not only their career, but all of life so that they can handle these things in ways that would bring ultimate glory and honor to God, to the God who created us. So it's these challenges like call volume, lack of adequate rest, toxic exposures, increased risks of heart disease and cancer, which has been well documented. There's critical and traumatical, uh, traumatic incidents that we face. And then things like higher than average divorce rates, almost any tendency, any sinful tendency that we as humans experience, uh, first responders are no different. Mm -hmm. We just have a higher level of stress in the career that we've been engaged in throughout our lives. So that adds a different dynamic to the challenges of life. And we want to be able to help guys navigate those things and become faithful first responders, both on and off duty. So with that being said, I kind of wanted to, to go based off your experience. I mean, you, you were in a fire. What, how many years ago did you say? Nine. So about nine years ago now that led to some serious bodily harm. And I kind of just wanted to use your experience, your testimony as far as what happened in that event and how you found encouragement, comfort, and hope throughout that circumstance that led you uh, to be able to handle that whole thing in a way that would bring ultimate glory to Christ. So, Derek, just tell us a little bit about what happened um, on that incident. And then a little bit about just your testimony about how God kind of faithfully brought you through that entire circumstance. Okay. Yeah. Um, it was November 2014. Like I said, I was riding in the backseat of Engine 15 at the time, and we got dispatched to a house fire off of 47th Avenue in Bethany Home. Um, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, we're focusing on the difficulties that happened on that call so i don't i don't know that i need to recount everything that happened there but my crew and i extended a hose line to the front door just to do a search and rescue and fire attack like we do we've had fairly normal conditions pulling up a obvious working fire column from the back of the house pressurized smoke from the back kind of laminate lazy smoke from the front door the front door was already open when we got there so mm -hmm. our role as the first in engine company was to extend hand lines search the structure for potential victims, and then obviously try to put the fire out and gain fire control. Mm. So as we did that, um, Luke Moran, my backseat partner, and I made entrance into the house with hot conditions, but not too hot. We were able to walk in on our, on our feet, um, 
kind of the heat drove us down to our knees where we felt like we needed to change the environment a little bit, but not super uncomfortable at the time we made entrance into it. Um, so we were kind of using a straight stream to pencil the ceiling to kind of allow us to continue to move forward in advance and find the seat of the fire to put the fire out. So we were doing fine. Uh, Luke dropped back to help me with hose line management as I advanced the hose line forward. And then there was a pretty obvious change in conditions that happened Mm -hmm. as I was advancing the hose line forward to find the seat of the fire. Um, I tell guys that it wasn't one of those things where it progressively got hotter and we knew that this was bad. It was one of those things where the conditions changed in the matter of a moment. Yeah. Uh, some of the reports were thinking that the conditions changed several hundred degrees in an instant. So I kind of explained to people that it felt like getting hit by, like, you know, those OSB ply board things that we yeah. were pulling down at the academy. Like you mm-hmm. got hit with like one of those, but it was like a wall of heat in a moment. Yeah. So I went from being on my feet advancing the hose line to, instant pain um, feeling my ears burn the back of my neck burn i knew that all my hands and my fingertips were being burned so obviously luke had dropped back he's selling the hose line he's at the door helping me advance the hose line i'm now experiencing significantly changed fire conditions mm-hmm. i opened the hose line to prevent a flashover because i know we're in flashover conditions now no visibility high heat underventilated type of situation um I began to call out to Luke that we needed to back out because I was obviously experiencing a serious injury and we needed to do something different as far as um, our tactics for getting control of the fire. So I started to back out towards the front door on the hose line while keeping the hose line open to make sure that, you know, we didn't get caught in flashover conditions. Mm -hmm. And so as I was backing up towards the front door... I wanted to keep the nozzle in my hand so that I had the tool that would keep us safe as we backed out of the house. Mm-hmm. So there became a point where I no longer could keep the hose line under my feet and I kind of backed up into a corner, never having ran into Luke because of the way that the hose line was laid out. Um, kind of hard to explain without drawing it out for people, but I'm in the corner. Luke's on the hose line, but kind of separated from me by what we found out was about six or seven feet. Mm. But my decision at that time was to recognize that, well, I'm still in the room. Luke is still in the room. Mm. We haven't been able to communicate with each other to back out together. So my goal was at that point to stay in this house fire, keeping the hose line open to prevent a flashover until I can secure, you know, the safety of my crew and help us all back out in a way that we can all be safe. So Mm. I ended up kind of in this corner experiencing just significant burns while I kept the hose line open while I was calling out for Luke. Um, I attempted to declare mayday on my radio. For some reason, that radio traffic didn't go over the scene at the time I was carrying my radio on the outside of my turnout. So a lot of guesses are that the internal components of the radio Mm, didn't allow the radio traffic to go over the scene. So... You know, what was interesting about that radio traffic was my matey was actually for Luke because I knew I was around the front door. Mm. I knew he would never leave me in a house fire and I couldn't account for his safety. So I was kind of calling a matey for him, knowing that if I was getting injured in this type of manner, he's certainly getting injured and he's without a hose line. Mm. So 
I was getting hurt more and more as I stayed in the corner with my hose line open, trying to call out for Luke, trying to call that mayday to the point where, um, you know, I was kind of rotating hands because every hand that was kind of facing the fire was getting burned real bad. I'd switched to the other hand. I actually ended up tucking the hose line under my pocket at one point and kind of let the hose just flop around. But I felt my stomach go. I knew that both my arms were burned. I knew that my legs were burned. My butt was burned, the back of my legs. And I just was thinking this could possibly be it. <laughs> yeah. I remember distinctly just thinking to myself, like, I can't believe I'm going to die in a house fire in the line of duty. Yeah. And it was at that moment that uh, my wife and my two daughters, one of them born a week before this incident, this was my first shift back from leave for my second daughter's birth. Mm. So I actually had this shift was a vacation day that I canceled and came to work, which is a crazy part of the story. But mm. I had a newborn at home. All three of my immediate family kind of flashed before my eyes. And I just told myself, you know, although I was at weirdly at peace with potentially dying personally because mm-hmm. of my faith in Christ, okay. I knew that I had to remain here for the good of my family. So I just ended up, I remember thinking like, I can't, I can't stay here. So my goal was to drop the nozzle and work my way to another part of the hose line and then travel the hose line back on the hose line to get out the door and hopefully... I would find Luke en route. Mm-hmm. And that's actually what happened. I shut the hose line down. I crawled across the room to the, another part of the hose line. And I started crawling out, trying to find Luke. And we bumped helmets. He was searching for me frantically. Mm. I was searching for him. So, I mean, the picture is of, of two guys not willing to leave each other in yeah. a dangerous position, just sacrificially trying to ensure the safety of the other so luke will always be a close-knit brother who i know would Mm -hmm. give up his life for my good (laughs) he actually texts me every year just recounting the incident on the anniversary date just talking about how much we love each other and how Mm -hmm. important it was that we were willing to stay in a life-threatening situation for the good of one another so it's just a special anniversary in memory so we ended up kind of launching each other out albert and luke kind of grabbed me they're both in there pulling me out pulled me out of the house it was a november day i felt like they pulled me into an ice bath just because of the difference between the temperature they kind of lifted me over a little um bearing wall not a bearing wall but like a retaining wall type of thing that covered the house pulled me into the front yard and i remember telling luke like hey man you're gonna have to take my turnouts off Mm. and he goes he said, like, I know, man, like, we're all burned up. I'm like, no, no, like, you're going to have to, I'm burned bad. Like, you're going to have to get these off. And I still remember he pulled my first glove off and all the skin from my hand went with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I remember he stumbled two steps back and, like, fell to his butt, just surprised that I was hurt as bad as I was. Mm. So, spent more time explaining the incident than I than I intended to, but mm. we ended up um, getting crews there to help me. They transported me to the hospital in Rescue 26 down to County Burn Unit. Mm -hmm. And I guess I'll kind of get into the aftermath of it. Um, I ended up with severe third and fourth degree burns um, to about 25% of my body. Mm -hmm. Estimates for second degree burns and higher were over 50% of my body. Um, I ended up with... uh, just needing a significant amount of aggressive 
treatment while I was down at the burn unit. Those would include autographs where they shaved skin off my back and legs and other parts of my body that had healed enough to use that skin to apply those to my wound sites to begin the healing process. Mm. That wasn't able to happen right away because what happens with burn injuries is that they, because the the skin is burned so deep, your blood vessels aren't high enough to kind of innervate the new mm-hmm. skin and keep it healthy and growing. So they use pig skin at first and then cadaver skin to the point where they get your wound beds to heal enough to where the blood vessels will kind of go into your own skin and allow it to incorporate into the rest of your skin. So mm-hmm. skin grafts, feeding tubes, um, all that stuff that I was just talking about was stapled into your body. So just 200 plus staples in me once a week. Um, the wound cleaning process was brutal. Central lines, you know, put in place. I lost over 25 pounds while I was there because I was losing so much fluid on a regular basis that I wouldn't produce enough saliva to eat food. So that's why they had to put the feeding tube in mm, to that's right. keep the protein high enough um, to allow the treatment to work. Um, okay. I mean, I remember the doctor coming out and talking to us as a family saying like, man, was this like, what were there chemicals involved in this? Like, I, yeah. I'm just not understanding like these burns are getting deeper and deeper than we even anticipated. So yeah. that's just from our perspective as the family who's all obviously rooting for you and wanting you to, to be healed. Yeah. We were all just sitting there thinking, you know man what what is going on and why are these things getting so deep and right. and just surprised by uh the significance of the injuries that you had sustained uh even to the point to where these very experienced uh burn physicians who specialize in this were coming out and saying man these things these things are just growing and they're yeah. getting deep we we want to initiate further treatment because of the but because of the depth of them it's hard to get the ball rolling in the right direction. So yeah. I remember those those conversations where, you know, we all as a family were just out there praying for you and for wisdom for the doctors. But yeah. anyways, go ahead. Yeah, like you were saying, some of those ended up being fourth degree burns where they had to cut out some muscle as mm-hmm. a result. So it's kind of hard to put into words, but the debriding process, the getting the dead tissue out, the weekly surgeries that took place, I ended up going through five surgeries the last two were full autograph surgeries where they could apply my own skin grafts to my body to where that would be like obviously the permanent answer to healing uh i end up with i think did i just say this 28 skin grafts which Mm. is a whole bunch of them i spent 34 days in the hospital obviously i had a newborn baby so the family dynamics were a challenge with my wife just giving birth her daughter was this this happened on November 14th. She was born on November 3rd. So about eleven she was eleven days old when it happened. So Heather's balancing a two and a half year old baby girl, toddler, and in an eleven day old. And then she's obviously caring for me mm-hmm. with all that she has. So And amazingly, you know, yeah. A testament to her. Yeah. She's balancing it well. Yes. With like just steadfast faith. I just remember, you know. Yeah. There was no real breakdowns from Heather. She just persevered. She's she's tough, and she just took care of business, and she trusted the Lord through it. So yeah. just a testament to her and her own faith through that time, because obviously she was dealing through, you know, with some pretty 
difficult situations just on her own with that as well. I often tell her that she's got more faith than I've ever seen a person have, and she'll kind of humbly try to act like that's not the case. But as far as the gift of faith is concerned, I don't know that many people have a greater measure of it than she does. She's confident in the Lord and His timing and His providence and the way that He's in control of all circumstances, even in especially trials, and she just fully trusts the Lord in those types of things. So Mm -hmm. she's a special example and just a faithful Christian. Um, so anyways, um, obviously there's probably more that we can say about the challenges and the difficulties as far as the injury is concerned. Mm -hmm. But our point with moving forward with this podcast is just show, um, basically how our Christian faith drives all of life Mm -hmm. including the difficulties and the trials that we face that we face both Mm -hmm. from a position like this where you're enduring um a trial or maybe you're struggling with you know a a sin tendency or a fight with sin maybe you're having Mm -hmm. difficulties in your family can we go on and on about like you were mentioning before all the things that could potentially be trials and struggles and problems and difficulties in life. And our goal with this podcast is to offer hope and help and biblical counsel to those who are experiencing that. So I just wanted to kind of move into my experience on like how my Christian faith um, infused and really drove the entire recovery process and even the endurance of the trial itself. Yeah, And so, I mean, I remember... When it was one of my first few days in the hospital, people were asking me what they could get me. And the, I remember the first thing that I was telling people was like, bring me my Bible. <laughs> yeah. Like if there's anything that is going to offer comfort and increase my trust in the Lord and what he's after with this trial, it was going to be reading the scriptures. <laughs> mm. And so um, uh, my goal was to understand from God's perspective the reasons for trials and what he has for me in the midst of it. Mm -hmm. And so like some, I, you know, I often like talking about this, not because the memories are all pleasant, but because it gives me an opportunity to testify and witness to like the goodness and grace and wisdom and love of our great God. Mm -hmm. It helps me point people to the gospel message and how that changes everything. It also helps me point to like, you know, when a family is committed to sacrificially loving and serving their family members, when the church is committed to being the church and loving and sacrificially serving and caring for and blessing mm. somebody in this, it just gives me a chance to like point to the church, even the fire department and the good people yeah. that are on the fire department, yeah. my immediate family, and just the kindness of the Lord. It just gives me a chance to speak of those things. So even even not to interrupt you but thinking about the incident from my perspective because we're we're on the same shift Mm -hmm. so just thinking about god's goodness and his providence and his his control over every aspect of creation i just remember at that time we were doing what we call true mo's they're like Mm -hmm. true rescue move over so like us as medics at that time we're getting moved over to ambulances for a, a short time right and it just so happened in God's providence that on that day, I got a trumo. I got moved over to Rescue 11. And mm-hmm. Rescue 11 is literally like on the campus of the County Burn Center, right. which is where you ended up being transported. So 
I just remember I had worked at Station Eleven maybe three times my whole career, mm-hmm. maybe, you know. And at that point I had what seven, eight years on or something like that when when this whole thing went down. So I remember looking at your incident, seeing that I could, you know, I could read what was going on on the computer and seeing that, oh, there was two firefighters burned. I knew your guys was due and I knew you were probably first in and you were most likely one of the two guys that were burned. All I had to do, speaking of the good people in the fire department, is go and talk to my captain and say, hey, you know, my brother's been on a, he's on a serious incident right now. I want to make sure that he's taken care of. It sounds like he may be one of the two members that have been injured. You mind if me and my rescue partner just go cruise right over to the county ER so I can wait on my brother if if this is really him and see how he's doing. And of course, my captain that day just said, yeah, Jordan, you got to do what you got to do, man. Take care of your family. And he just let me, you know, it was what, one minute, one minute drive over to the ER over there. But just thinking about the goodness of God, even to have me do a true mo, which right. as we both know, nobody wants to get moved over to an ambulance. <laughs> true. So, you know, to have me be moved over to an ambulance that day and to have it be that particular ambulance at Station 11, which is on the campus of County Hospital where you were transported to, what a... What an amazing testimony to God's providence yep. in that situation, his kindness in, in that situation. Cause I literally was standing right there when you, when you pulled in. Yeah. And I just remember the blessing of being able to be there for you yeah. at that time and to kind of initiate all the, the family contacts and all the stuff that we needed to do that, that all got to happen, um, through me. Rather than right. getting, you know, phone calls from chiefs and captains and all that stuff, which right. I think kind of cushioned the blow for most of our family members, hopefully yeah. a, a little bit to to hear from me instead of, you know, getting these significant calls from from chiefs and right. member services and all that stuff about the the significance of your injury. So again, I just wanted to say that as kind of like an outsider's perspective <laughs> of God's kindness in it. Right. Even though obviously nobody wants to get burned. It was a significant event. Obviously, as we're talking about traumatic incidents, this is about as traumatic and near death as you can possibly get. You know, I think you downplay it even a little bit, expressing the severity, but it was it was serious, you know, yeah, like it you was life-threatening. Yeah, life-threatening. And, and I mean, you know, we were hoping to keep the podcast somewhat brief, but like <laughs> even like blood transfusions. Yep. Yep. In surgeries, like my blood pressure would drop to near fatal levels sometimes. Sometimes my surgeries would push eight hours unintentionally because of the complexity of it. And so, like, I mean, our whole family was dealing with the ups and downs of, like, serious. Like, I had a, I had a severe infection <laughs> that, like, ha- that they didn't know whether or not they were going to be able to control. Like, you know, I could go on and on with, you know how difficult those 34 days were. And even after being released, you know, how difficult it was to manage the wounds. Mm-hmm. You know, Heather was my nurse. We had family members like you guys and, you know, all, all my family just coming over to provide care for the kids while Heather did two and a half hour dressing changes after scraping out a bunch of tissue. So like the, the difficulties were there, but I just wanted to kind of move towards, you know, kind of how how my faith came into play. And obviously, 
obviously this isn't just like me as a lone wolf just thinking like how am i gonna have confidence in the lord like i had i had you know our immediate family pointing me to christ and god's character and his promises i had the Mm -hmm. church ever present pointing me to those things i had christian firefighter brother and sisters you Mm -hmm. know like pointing me to who god is what he's promised us um offering me hope, giving me good counsel, supporting me, you know, mm-hmm. and like it always, it doesn't always have to be with words either. It was often with actions yeah. <laughs> and just the practical care that was offered with financial help, help with, um, you know, taking care of our family, help with taking care of my yard, uh, meals provided, Station Eleven right there providing meals, a lot of people bringing gift cards. Um, this would include the local 493 and fire department management as well as like the members themselves. But I just mm-hmm. wanted to be, before I started talking about like what it was about who God is, yeah. what his promises are and how that impacts the way a person deals with trials. I just wanted to make sure that I mentioned that I had like a whole collective, you know, more people than I can count pointing me in this direction because it's not always easy to keep strong faith and confidence and trust in the Lord. Like we have the body of Christ helping point you towards that type of trust that you need to express in those situations. So I would just say as far as moving forward with the trial, I would say that obviously you want to do it from a posture of like trusting in who God is as far as his character is concerned Mm -hmm. and also like what he said in his word regarding promises to his people and so my goal obviously pointed this way you know by other people as well was to like remember who god is Mm. and just make sure that i have complete confidence and trust in like things like his sovereignty that he's in complete control of everything that happens Mm -hmm. that he's wise that he has the best goals for us and he chooses the best means and circumstances to get us to those goals. Those Mm -hmm. would be things like our personal sanctification and Christ likeness. And he uses things like trials to move us forward in that direction. And if Mm -hmm. our goal is to be like our savior and he's using these things to help us get there, then we should just be grateful for whatever circumstances come our way, even though it's hard, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And I was just thinking about characteristics like his love. Obviously, he always has my best in mind and he does Mm -hmm. everything for both my temporal and eternal good. He's a gracious, kind, loving God who always has the pure and righteous and loving motives. So Mm -hmm. just being reminded of who God is and then also looking to what he's promised us. And the most obvious example of that comes from like Romans 8, 28, mm-hmm. where he promises to work all things out for his glory and for our good, the good of his children. Mm-hmm. And so I was trying to cling to that, recognizing that being burned in this house fire and going through such a difficult trial, if I knew that it was accomplishing God's greater glory, which he's worthy of it, and I want that to happen, I want him to use my life to bring him glory and honor. Mm. And if he's and if he brought this into my, into my life for my good, both in this world and for eternity, then I should have complete confidence that I should be going through this, striving for joy and contentment and trust in the midst of it. Mm-hmm. 
there's obviously more promises that I would be clinging to, but that's the primary one. Mm-hmm. And just thinking about God's character and what He's promised us. And then I also spend a lot of time reflecting on kind of like the, re- the benefits of trials in the life of a believer. Mm-hmm. And those benefits end up being almost the only reasons why we know exactly why he's bringing us through this. Of course, there could be a number of reasons that an almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing God could bring these things into our lives that we might not fully know until we get to glory in Mm. eternity. But we do know the benefits of trials in the life of a Christian. And those are the biggest reasons why God brings us through these trials. And so I'm thinking of texts like James chapter 1, verses Mm -hmm. 2 through 4, that tells Christians to consider it all joy, my brothers, when you experience trials of various kinds. Mm -hmm. And he says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and Mm -hmm. let this endurance have its perfect result, that you might be complete, lacking in nothing. Obviously, that's a paraphrase. Mm -hmm. There's a few more words that I think I missed in there, but he's basically saying that trials end up producing godliness and Christ-likeness in the life of a believer. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that through this experience, God was at work growing my character to be more like a son, mm-hmm. which is a sweet blessing, and it's an undeserved privilege and grace to have God bring something into my life to make my life more pleasing to Him and to be more like my Savior, which is good for me and my family and those around me. So there's there's that reason. Um there's there's also the reason that he might be preparing me for usefulness and service to him. And I'm thinking mainly of something like Second Corinthians chapter one, mm-hmm. where I can rely on my trial and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our afflictions, he says. But then he says this purpose statement, so that mm-hmm. you might be a comforter of others. And yeah. obviously that's a paraphrase also, yeah. but if he if he can comfort me and if i if this can ex, if this experience is, can make me if this experience can make me a more compassionate caring sacrificial gentle um trusting christian those that he brings into my life that are experiencing trials and difficulties and trouble i will i will be better equipped mm to be able to care for those people well and what greater privilege is there to serve the Lord by caring for people that are dealing with difficulties. So he grows us in our ability to minister to others as a result. Um, I would think about things like how he increased our trust in him through trials where we're kind of, you know, the tendency of life might be to be self-reliant in some ways, like we get, we have our lives under control, but these trials help us realize that we, in fact, don't. Mm. And so he kind of removes our self-reliance, grows us in humility, and then helps us fully depend upon him in all things. I think there's a sense in which he kind of peels our grip for like the comforts in, of this world through trials, helping us like recognize that uh, there's great hope for a future eternal, like eternity, where mm-hmm. there will be no more tears, no more sorrow, no more difficulty, pain, no more sin. So it helps us view this world as temporary yeah. and the coming life as eternal and the most important. Mm-hmm. So I think we could both probably go on about the benefits of trials, but those are just some that come to my mind right away. Oh. So I, So you guys can kind of see how... Christianity was everything yeah. in this difficulty where 
I'm thinking about God's character and who he is and how I could trust and rely on him. I'm thinking about his promises to me and how I can hold those tightly, knowing that he is, um, he has promised me great things that offer me a lot of hope in that scenario. Mm -hmm. And I know that he's accomplishing many things because of it. So Mm -hmm. I often tell people like, apart from like becoming a Christian and marrying my beautiful bride and and having my, my kids who are a great blessing. I think that this burn injury is probably the the most significant thing that's happened to affect my Christian walk. Mm. One of them, you know, I think we could probably qualify that with the type of church that I'm in and other things. But I tell people like, I'm so thankful for God's grace to bring me through something like that. I would never change it. Even though I look different, I'm a scarred up mess, but like, I'm like so profoundly grateful for the grace and kindness that he showed to my family and I and those around me through bringing me through this burn injury. But then I'm quick to say like, but I also hope that he never does that to me again. (laughs) Because trials are hard, you know, and we obviously don't want to go through them, but I see God's kind provision and love for me and bringing me through this because of what he's done in and through it. Absolutely. Man, that's so good and so powerful and I even remember just from the family's perspective, just seeing God's kindness, you know, because it's as much as it's a trial and it's significant for you, it was a a trial for the entire family and just the way that God grew the entire family, not only closer to him, Mm -hmm. but then closer to one another, I think, through that circumstance and seeing even though the circumstance was obviously extremely difficult seeing how God just gave this peace that surpasses all understanding through it. You know, there's significant stress or anxiety that you, that can be induced by going through something like this. Yet, as we know what Philippians chapter four says, Mm -hmm. when you make your requests known to God with thanksgiving, um, the peace which surpasses all understanding can guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And we saw God's word lived out in our lives. We saw his peace guarding our hearts and our minds as we endured this trial together. Obviously, you and Heather endured it to the most significant extent, but we saw God's faithfulness working itself out constantly through the care that the fire department offered, the care that our church family offered to all of us, mm-hmm. um, and just the way that God pulled you through it because you trusted in Him. And you you looked to His Word for the help and the hope that you needed. You looked to His Word for the comfort and the guidance that you needed. And that's that's really why we even exist as a podcast, you know, we right. said at the very beginning, this is our first ever episode, but, you know, we as first responder peers have some experience mm-hmm. in what it means to run on traumatic incidents, to face um, circumstances that might lead to severe bodily harm, up to and including potential death. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen incidents where we have to make life or death decisions for people and perform our tasks to our 
best level in order to have a good outcome for those people that we serve in the public. And we want to do the very best possible job that we can do to care for people well. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is, is a career in the fire service, a career as a police officer, a, a career as uh, an ambulance driver or an EMS worker, mm-hmm. it's difficult. So how do you navigate life in a way that's going to most honor and glorify God? How do you navigate life from a biblical perspective to where you too, as you face your own life struggles, as you face your own difficult circumstances in life as a first responder, where do you go? Mm -hmm. What do you look to for help? What do you look to for hope? What do you, what gives you comfort? Uh, what guides your life? Mm-hmm. Is it the flawed and ever-changing wisdom of man? Or do you have ultimate truth found in Scripture, God's revelation guiding and directing you and giving you the help and the hope that you need? Yep. And that's really what we want to do. That's That's what you experienced firsthand mm-hmm. through the incident and through your burn injury, that's where we want to point people to in the Faithful First Responder podcast is looking to the Lord for the help that they need. He is sufficient. He has all the answers. He is the God of all comfort. We can go to him because he is faithful. He is trustworthy. He is good. He does love us and he can be trusted. So just such a powerful story, um, such a powerful testimony to God's faithfulness. So thanks for, you know, obviously sharing that with us today. And I just want to thank the people that are listening to this today. You know, this is our first ever episode of the, the Faithful First Responder. We really do hope that you enjoyed listening and we hope that you find this podcast to be valuable to your personal life. Uh, we do want to say, like, if you if you want to know more about us, you can go to our, our ministry website. It's christianpeers.org. There you're going to be able to find several introductory articles about maybe some of the challenges that first responders often face and how you can respond to those challenges in ways that please the Lord. Uh, in addition, you can find various lists of helpful books and pamphlets and resources that are going to help you to dive deep into God's Word to understand how you can handle these challenging life circumstances that you face in a way that brings glory to God. So again, that's christianpeers.org. So again, it's just been a joy to be able to, to serve our listeners here today. Hopefully, we'll see you next time on the Faithful First Responder Podcast. Thank you.